now for something special. The unit is self-contained with its own saddler, farrier, wheelwright, and so on. It's a rigorous training dished on who know all there is to know about horses, and it brings results. We take you behind the scenes now to show just some of the interesting aspects of this training. Welcome to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein, the best podcast to create sounder horses from the ground up. Mike Stein is a registered journeyman farrier with an APF1 accreditation. On this week's episode, could your horse have a metabolic syndrome and signs to watch for? And what's happening to your horse with long toe or low heel in the front? And also, Dusty Stories Continue, Part 3, Problem with the Hindquarters. All this and much, much more will be discussed here on Equine Dynamics. And over to my far right side is Mike Stein. How are you? Hello, Travis. How you doing? You doing all right? I'm doing okay. How's your week going? All right? It's going all right. I cleaned out a jacket pocket the other day. And what'd you find? I found this. What is that? That has been in there since 018 before the games is, is test event security bands. Oh, you dropped it. There you go. So is this worth any money, Mike? Could I sell this on eBay for something? <laughs> you probably have to pay somebody to get them to take it. That was a security band for the test event for the World Equestrian Games because that year I worked the four star, the test event for the World Equestrian Games and the World Equestrian Games. You had to have that to get into secured areas. That looks like a all-you-can-drink wristband. Like if you go on a, a sea cruise or some kind of ocean cruise, and they put the orange band on you so you could drink. I'm open bar. I'm an open bar guy. That's what it looks like. Well, they, they wouldn't give us anything to drink, water bottle or anything. <laughs> oh, really? Bring your own BYO? Bring, bring your own water. Jeez. Now, I have a question for you, Mike. Normally, I have, I have stories about my wife having horse problems. Something she brought up the other day. Her trainer said that there was an outbreak of something somewhere. Right now, we're dealing with a pandemic and not to get you know off track here. But her trainer is not going to this one stable in the area because they have a case of what they call strangles. Yes. Are you familiar with Strangles? Yes, I am. Can you describe what Strangles is and what does and what to look out for and, and how it's transferred and how a horse gets it? Well, i tell you, what I do know is it's transferred pretty easy, and I think they have to have contact with these Strangles. I guess it's a virus. Honestly, that's not my job. What I have been told from the state is, unless I have an extreme reason to be there, I don't need to be there because, you know, I see a lot of horses in a lot of places. From what I understand, it can be carried on your boots. I have had one occasion where I had to go into a barn many years ago where there was strangles, and I talked to the state people and all that, and what because we had to get something done with a horse that had some real problems, it was into laminitis, that boots were Cloroxed. I put on a jumpsuit. Like a hazmat-type suit or like a painter's outfit-type suit? This, this was more like a painter's outfit. Hands, everything was washed with Clorox. Or boots, you know, tools were washed with Clorox. The hazmat suit or the jumpsuit was peeled off, stuffed in a trash bag, and tied up. And burned, I hope. Well, <laughs> dispose of properly. Was, it was it was taken care of, so that I didn't run a risk of going out of there and taking it somewhere else. And I did not get in my truck while I was working on the horse until boots and everything were cleaned up because you put it on your floor mats. So it says right here, strangles is a highly contagious disease with the equine upper res- respiratory tract from bacteria. Streptococcus equi subspecies equi sq. That's a lot of words for me to say in one sentence. The bacteria cross mucous membranes in the nose and mouth and affect lymph nodes where it can cause abscess and evenly rupture. And my wife says that one horse actually, the lymph nodes ruptured out the side and like pus and ooze was. Oh, yeah. They, they have pus running out the side of their neck <laughs> and you want blows up. Who wants to have a horse? I mean, and some of the symptoms that they say here is depression, lack of appetite or difficulty eating, raised temperature, cough, uh, nasal discharge, often thick and yellow, swollen lymph nodes, like I just said, around the throat, drains of pus from the lymph nodes. This sounds like anyone who would have a cold. If you said, you know, my child has a cold, 
These are the symptoms of someone having a cold. If I saw a horse that had these symptoms, I wouldn't think anything of it. I, I say I wouldn't think anything of it. I wouldn't think it would be strangles or something that, that deadly or that contagious. I would just think, oh, my horse has got a cold. Well, you're right. And I had someone in the area that had a horse that had a little bit of sniffles that recently had it tested, but their horse was very isolated and they were worried about it because of stuff going on, which was, you know, they were being responsible for the rest of the horse community. And we don't want to spread this from barn to barn. And if, like I say, if I had a situation like that, the horses I work on, well, they can wait a while and I'm not going in there till we have an all clear, just as your wife's trainer is not going in there till you have an all clear and it's safe. Because if you spread that through your customer base, your customer base isn't going to be real happy with you and you aren't going to be working with them for a while. Plus, it's going to make them really, really not happy with you. So let's say, Mike, you go into a, go into a barn or stall or you go to a client's house and you're working on the horse and you notice these type symptoms. Maybe the, the owner doesn't know or the trainer doesn't realize what these symptoms are. Like I would say, the horse just has a cold. And then you find out later on. I mean, when you're looking at the horse, you know, your overall evaluation of the horse and if you see this, is this something that would throw up a red flag for you? Oh, I'm always concerned when I see runny noses on a horse because when I'm working on horses, I'm getting up under the front end and I may pick it up on, on the back of whatever I'm wearing. You don't want to transfer anything to your customer's horses. It doesn't matter if it's a common cold or something more serious. You right. Don't, you don't want to transfer. You know, I always say something if I see some that, you know, this guy's got runny eyes, this guy's got stuff coming out of his nose, what's going on? Y'all know y'all know what's going on here. I can picture you doing like this, hey, uh, you know what's going on with this horse? Why is he running nose? And if they go, I don't know, and then just kind of take it for the worse, I would see. Well, you do you do what you can, yeah. and you don't you never want to spread anything to clients' horses. All right, guys, when we come back, we're going to dive into the actual show itself, and we got a bunch to get into, so stick around. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He'll be right back. Barrier from the 2018 World Equestrian Games, and he has a, a little memorabilia he found in his jacket. The the actual tag that lets him in all the uh, the vent area for the test horses and stuff. And over test, my yeah. o- over my far right hand side is Mike Stein. I clean out my jacket pockets more often than I do the cab of my truck, so that kind of tells you something. <laughs> now we're going to get into the metabolic syndrome. Now hold on, I got to turn this light on so I can read. The Kentucky Equine Research in 2018, looking at a horse, can, can tell a lot of things, but now researchers can tell even more. A study in Queensland University. University technology looks at the links between the size, shape, and certain hormone concentrations in ponies. It's believed that ponies with more fat will suffer more ailments, including equine metabolic syndrome. Researchers measured about 26 ponies on their body condition score, their neck circumference, crusty neck score. Is that, am I saying that right? Crusty, C-R-E-S-T-Y, crusty neck score, girth circumference, and height. Researchers discussed the findings explaining ponies with regional fat pads have a 
greater insulin response and oral glucose test that the ponies ideal weight and obese ponies did not differ from those with ideal weight. So basically they're saying in moderation, your horse needs a little bit more exercise at least 30 minutes a day to make sure that they're proper weight. So right. we are going to dive into metabolic syndrome and what it is and, and what we should be looking for. There are some horses that have metabolic issues that don't necessarily put on weight. Anything metabolic, there's a higher risk for laminitis. And you need to manage these situations because we do not want to deal with laminitis. I don't want to get the call. The vets don't want to get the call. We don't want to go down that road because it's an ugly road. Denial, no, my horse isn't. And then no, it's not, no, it's not, no, it's not, no, it's not. And then, oh, my God, my horse is sore-footed. My horse can't walk. My horse has lumps on it because it's lumpy. It has the big fat pads. I mean, it's no, diff- it's, it's no difference in me being overweight. And Not that I'm overweight. <laughs> I'm a little big, but I'm not overweight. But, you know, sometimes my back hurts a little bit, and sometimes my feet, if I'm on them too long, right. years of walking on concrete for the occupation I had at the time, you feel it. You feel it if you're overweight. You just feel out of shape. And horses are no different, even it, though they're they're running around and they're full of muscle and all that. Right. Exactly. There are horses that are more prone to the metabolic. There are some genetic factors. And who gets fatter, the female horse? A mare. Okay, a mare. A mare or a male horse who's traditionally gets fatter or has more problems. Well, that's a dangerous thing to talk about. <laughs> I know it is. That's why I said it. <laughs> dangerous thing to talk about. You know, I'm sure somebody's done a study out there, but it doesn't matter. You just don't want your horses packing on too much weight. And with the spring grasses coming in, leaning them down before they go on to it, kind of gives you a little little leeway there because we look in the mirror at ourselves and, oh, my God, we're too fat or whatever. But we look at our horses and... People like their horses big an awful lot of the time. That doesn't mean athletic. And just like you, me, or anybody else, if you've got a little bit of chance of some metabolic issues yourself and you get heavy, I like a good piece of cheesecake, don't you? I like a nice slice of pizza. Sure, sure, exactly. <laughs> so where does that send your system? And, oh, it's not a problem, not a problem, not a problem until it becomes a problem. If your horse does look that way, I don't know I having a blood test done, but the vets can check it out. Believe me, an ounce of prevention is worth a major amount when you start looking at what the pound of cure is going to cost you. They do blood work on horses. Is it kind of like when we go for our blood work for humans where you're not you're supposed to fast you know, the night before? That way they can get your sugar levels correct on the blood work? I don't pull blood on horses. Right. They may have some guidelines that would be something you would take up with your vet. I kind of, a lot of times, well, I don't do that, so I don't need to right. you know, I, I understand. crowd myself with it. <laughs> but it can be done reasonably enough. And if you do have problems periodically, you need to monitor that. We have to pay attention. Now, we had a rescue horse here for a while. Right. And every four months, the vet would come out because it was completely emaciated. Before, we, I mean, we brought it back up to a good health. It, it wasn't like sure. in dire straits. It went through the rescue first and then put on a little bit of weight. But being an emaciated horse, you would have uh, liver problems and stuff. So they were checking like liver enzymes all the time. And they would do that four months. And that's sure. through the rescue we were working with. Once every four months, they would come out here, which for a bad horse. So I'm thinking. There again. Talk to your vet. Talk to your vet. They will have guidelines, and it depends on the condition of your horse. And the horse that you had here, I didn't see her until right before she left. Mm-hmm. She was looking good when she left you guys. Now, some of the challenges when you have a horse 
in, um, with metabolic syndrome uh, dealing with the feet? I mean, are you dealing with, I'm, I'm sure you're dealing with a lot. What sure. are some of the challenges that you're trying to get? Hey, I can do your feet all day long, but you know, Miss Percy Pringle here is, a, you know, like you said, a big fat cheesecake. Well, they, with horses that are having metabolic problems, you start seeing breakdown in the lamina. You know, with horse going into laminitis or founder, founder is actually the rotation of the cough bone, the movement, mechanical movement. Laminitis is inflammation of the lamina. Pretty much all horses will, at some point in their life, have some laminitis, which is inflammation of the lamin- lamina due to some reason. Now, if you keep repeating that over and over and over, that lamina is locked in like fingers. It goes back and forth. And it's actually more like feathers. Okay. When you keep shocking that system, at a point in there, you lose a little blood flow. You blow out a capillary that feeds an area. You get some scarring in there. That scarring is a weaker connection. And it's okay. Your Velcro. If you take your Velcro strip and you pop one thing out, and over here you pop one thing out, and next year when the horse puts on weight, you just take a couple more of your birds out because the more you lose, probably in the next time a little more, a little more, a little more damage. And all of a sudden, this horse gets, oh, my God, it's painful. It hits the ground. My horse just foundered. This has been going on for some time. Not always. There's a horse that gets loose, gets the feed barrel. There's a horse that has a reaction to medication. There's different things that can trip that system into a tailspin. Each time you lose a connection, each time it scars in, sure, it tries to grow back. It tries to. But the tissue is never quite the same. And as you lose connections, and as that lamina area is coming out the bottom spreads out, the weaker your connection is. For some reason, you do have an insult, or over time you've just lost enough of those little connections, that bone can start physically moving. If we went back here and we start looking at, my horse had a weight problem. My horse doesn't get enough exercise. My horse eats way too much because my horse is very happy when it's eating. <laughs> I'm happy when I'm eating. And if I ate enough to make, make me as happy as I want to be, I'd be big as a house. <laughs> that does not have to happen. And we can do something about it. Have, have you ever had to stop or tell a client, hey, you know, I've been dealing with this horse. I can tell if we don't do something with your horse's weight, you're going to have problems. I mean, you have to, I've told you, Marie, 15 times. Sorry for all the Maries out there. But I mean, Marie, I've told you 15 times, you know, you just let it go and you just keep adjusting the, the, the feet based on the horse's weight. I mean, have you had to say, hey, you're going to lose this horse unless you do something right. soon. You know, the, your, your cup foot starts to slowly flatten out. You start chasing flares you didn't have before. You can physically see the lamina start to enlarge. Um, you get serum stuff occasionally in the lamina. Like when you pull a scab off that little serum that's under your scab. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah, I say something all the time. And what is what is your reaction generally as far as from the owner or the trainer? Not, no, that, not that much. Really? Not that much. <laughs> they just kind of go, oh, thank you and then just go, I'm going to keep feeding. Oh, I think my horse is okay. And then it goes, kaboom, one day. And it's management. And you're the first one to see it because you're down in it every six weeks or every four weeks, depending on what your cycle is for that horse. You would see it more quickly, more sooner than the actual rider or trainer that's on the horse, just dealing with the horse on its normal lessening and everything. Not really. You can see it in the hair coat. You can see it in your body score, the fat pads. They gain weight in particular areas. We may not know why that the horse is getting the fat pockets. You know, we may not know why my horse is getting bigger, my horse is whatever. As far as horse owners, to be responsible, you need to do your homework and you need to pay attention. Nowadays with cell phones, you can take a picture of your horse from this year, next year, next year, next year, and you can put them in a file and you can look at them and say, well, my horse is just getting older. But then you take a look through the progression. We got a problem and it show up just like doing lateral x-rays of the foot. If we shoot x-rays when the horse has gone into laminitis, 
And people say, oh, my God, the horse is rotated. Well, how much and when and all that during the time where you're having a little bit of breaking and you may have a very slow rotation or something that moves quick and you don't have any way of monitoring that. If you've shot an x-ray occasionally, Dr. Mansman for, for maintaining a horse, healthy horse, like to try to shoot laterals once a year to check things. You know, from the external part of the hoof, I can't always tell exactly where everything is. I used to be stupid enough to think I could, but I spent a lot of time in vet clinics. And some of these horses, because of inflammation of the lamina, everything has been, the cough bone can mechanically be pushed back. It can settle down. It can rotate. And you're looking at the externals of the foot. Well, that changes the dynamics of where things are. Boom, boom, boom. Every time, every time you get a little bit of a shift. And that can be coming on very slowly over that period of time. So if you have kept up with your horse radiographically, when things start happening, your horse gets painful. Did we have big movement of the cough bone? Or was this a slow progression? And we know that. If it happens, your horse gets sore all at one time, and we don't know, well, we got to do best we can. We have a little better idea what's coming at us, how hot, how heavy, how hard, and everything else. All right, guys, we'll stick around. We're going to get more into the show with Mike Stein. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He'll be right back. squished down in Arkansas mud. Hey, mister, yeah, I kissed her. Son, you ought to see her sister. You got to give a little something to a cool dog cat. Finding him a woman that can shake like that. Hottie, she's a hottie. Got a smoking little body. Strain bikini and a barbed wire tat. She's a rockin' that cowboy hat. Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein, the official 2017 American Eventing Farrier. And don't forget, for every podcast we do, we have a matching video that you can see over on YouTube. And you can ask us any question that you want over on Facebook. That's Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. Search for both of those on both platforms. And if you have any questions you'd like to send Mike Stein, go to equinedynamics.com. At the top of the page is a little section that says contacts. Fill out the little form there uh, and make sure in the subject line you put podcast so he can decipher between all the other emails that he gets throughout the day. And over my far right hand side is Mike Stein. Yep. What's your How favorite? Are you? Good. What's your favorite cheesecake, Mike, by the way? Try not to touch it anymore. You know, the, the time and gravity thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Can't outrun it. What is happening with your horses with long toe and low heel in the front? Mike, can you give us a little bit more information on that? Yes, I can. And I want to mention one thing that I should have said in the earlier segment. You can get weight tapes from any of your feed vendors to monitor your horse's weight. But on the long toe, low heel, if, and we talked about palmer angle and what is palmer angle, meaning the inside of the coffin bone between the coffin bone and the ground mm-hmm. is flattening out and sometimes even going negative. That joint between the short pasture and the coffin bone, it should line up a nice clean line. If your broken back is more to it than just palmer angle, you need to start looking up the leg and see what's going on. Working with your vet, you there are plenty of horses that externally look like that looks pretty good, but when you start shooting laterals, and a lot of these things I'm doing in vet clinics, it's like, mm, we're not quite there. Also, your relationship from front to back between the center, the, where your, your joint lines up and where your foot base is. The long toe low heel horse, the palmer angle is probably dropped down. The heel shot forward or the toe shot forward. The heels are shot forward. So you start losing that base of the center of rotation of the hoof, meaning that the whole foundation is shoving forward in front of your bone column. Just on the front leg itself, as that drops, it tightens that flexor tendon, which kind of stands up, kind of stand up the back of the pattern. It puts strain on, on your deep flexor. It puts strain on your check ligaments. There are horses out there that have damaged check ligaments and they'll puff up under the knee and barely be lame sometimes. So that can be 
a bit of a problem. And if that is damaged, stretched, torn, that's kind of your check on the resting horse as far as where it settles down. You know, horses can stand there and sleep using little to no muscle because their body will hold itself up. Kind of like birds on a wire. Well, I didn't think of birds on a wire. I'd have a hard time getting a horse on a wire. <laughs> but, but no, they have that same, their, their muscles do the same reaction to where they, they lock up and they can stand there for hours and hours without right. and, and sleep. So they can sleep standing up. That way they can wake up and go if they need to. If that's damaged, you start dropping what that set point is when the horse is relaxed. You'll end up getting this crushing pattern. And I don't know how much that's looked at. That's always been a kind of a thing with me. And the more I work on it on horses, the more I wonder about have we had damage there when you're trying to recover that because there's so many of them. Will, you, you get them up and they'll try to push right back down where they've gotten to. But when we do that, you know, think about on impact when that drops down lower than it should. If you miss a step and you drop your heel, that'll pop your knee back, hyperextend your knee, right? I've done it many times going up and down steps, thinking that there's one more step up on top. And I, you know, you got to do that little weird walk when you're coming down the steps or going up the steps and, and your knee just pops back. Right. And what if we're doing to that, that to our horse on every impact? And people say, oh, my God, horses are fragile. Look at how long they hold up to it. They're not fragile. You know, the other thing is when that pops back, the whole shoulder set, when it does, the body push, shoves forward. And then they end up bracing their shoulders. And you can see that in the muscling. When they do that, you know, that forward motion push, the whole scapula ends up rotating up, which actually sets the sets the leg back under the horse a little bit. Because that whole scapula is in a muscle sling. It moves. It may not move a massive amount, but it moves. Mm-hmm. But when you break that break that angle back on the ground, their their body has to readjust to hold itself up. You see the tension building and the strain building in front in front of the scapula, and also you'll see the hollowing out behind your withers, which at that point, for you want your horse to lift and carry and all that kind of stuff. Well, you're kind of blocking the horse out because of what's happening on the ground. Now, here's another part of it that people don't think about. If I've got a rider who is unbalanced, if i got a rider who is using the reins to balance themselves, if I've got a saddle that is fit not wide enough into the back of the scapula, when the scapula rotates, the rotation point is down below the shoulder joint. It's not in the shoulder joint, and it doesn't swing from the scapula. As the leg goes forward from below that shoulder joint, what's above it rotates back. You know, the horse owner, you can pick up a leg to a nine, just you catch it behind the knee. I don't like to see people grab their lower leg and pull it up, try to for, sort of hyperextend their knee, picking their leg up. If you stretch horses, you kind of need to support that knee because we don't want to create any damage with that. But you can pick that up and you can rotate the leg forward and place your hand up there behind the scapula, the top of the scapula, and you can feel how far back that rotates. And if you're trapping that with the saddle, no matter what I'm doing with the shoe, if I've got it trapped where it cannot rotate back, it locks that horse in the position because of the saddle itself. Now, I've seen my wife sit there and stretch the horse's neck. She'll take a piece of candy and, and make the horses come down all the way to the ground and, and turn to the side with a piece of a treat, you know, like a mint or something, right. and turn it back the other way. And I have seen her grab the leg, like you were talking about, and move it around. Now, she she be doing that with the saddle on so she can get full she can see the full movement with the saddle i don't know that she needs to do that with the saddle but getting that neck moving because you know some of the muscles are tiny like the brachycephalicus runs in almost behind the skull down the side of the neck and comes down and connects down low in the shoulder that's part of pulling that leg forward they need to you know they need to be able to move and on the other end if you're on a horse's head too hard you're causing them to hollow 
Anything that hauls the back will set the shoulder. Anything that sets the shoulder is going to create a lot more downforce on the back of that foot and have a tendency to want to crush it. Something else my wife does with her horse, she has a, these big three-inch pads. Right. You know, one 12-inch square. And she makes the horse stand on those. Building, building proprioceptor response. Yep. I have seen that, and I know they've had some clinics with that type of material. I have some other customers who are also doing that. Working a horse outside the arena. Working them on uneven ground, working them on hills. If horses are always just on the flat and they never really move their shoulders, you can start losing range of motion. And we start rehabbing a horse. You have to start working at getting range of motion. If we want our horse to collect and come through with the hind end, if our front end is blocked, the hind end cannot come through and pick them up. All right, guys, we'll stick around. We're going to get into part three of Dusty the Horse's story, and then we'll let you guys get back to enjoying your day. Stick around. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. He'll be right back. Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. Don't forget to follow him on Facebook, and the way you do that is go to Equine Dynamics and search for Mike Stein as well. And you can ask any question on Facebook. Mike has been posting a whole bunch of articles about topics that we've been talking about here on the program. He's setting up a new live video feed. Not It's not available yet, but he's going to start setting up a live video feed, and he's going to do like on-air clinics on the Facebook page. So get on board now. That's Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. You can search for him. Also, uh, YouTube. And if you have any questions for Mike Stein, go to Equine dynamics.com please put podcast in the subject line and then your question down below and he can answer them on the very next podcast as well and you also have a clinic coming up in may you're going to be at there's going to be a buckeye event in monroe it looks like the ag center i will be doing something with buckeye i've done stuff with other feed companies over the years and might as well take the opportunity yeah so make sure you sign up for all that and follow the podcast as well and you can get the information as soon as we get it as well now dusty the horse has now become an infamous on this show so dusty the horse Give a little background history, and then what problems with the hind quarter? Well, I tell you, we were talking about the saddle. We've talked about the navicular syndrome, quarter horse mare, more prone to navicular type syndrome. But over time, we ended up with some navicular issues. You know, I look back at horses I had way back, and back what I thought of how my horse were using themselves and how they were working and all that kind of stuff. And I look at pictures of horses that I had, and I'm like, oh, crap, because what I have learned in time and looking at the horse's body and what they're screaming at us. And she's a perfect example. We're young. We're doing the best we could. 
we talked about the saddle problem. We were talking about the low angles. We had problems with the low angles. She ended up with some navicular issues because of everything else we were doing and, and, and this beating is, up the front end. Yes. Yeah, and this is years and years, years and years, years ago. Yeah. Teenagers. Yes. Start of teenagers. We're talking about the back end. Well, the back end was pushed out behind her. Over time, the stifles got sore. And she said, oh, my God, she's got stifle problems. Well, the hind end couldn't come through. She was always, if you ever looked at her, she was less developed in the back end. Flat croup, Brian didn't really wouldn't round up. Well, maybe we were blocking it out with the saddle. Early on, at this point, I'm starting to try to learn how to shoe a horse and still trying to learn how to shoe a horse to this day because there's plenty of times I find out I don't know. Horse <laughs> tells me stuff all the time. But Okay, we do this, we do this, we do this. I think I ended up learning how to make a square toe shoe. We patted her, we put her even in the back end. And something never was quite right. And there was another little incident with her out in the field. She came up hobbling one day and her gaskin was all blown up. I don't know if somebody was squirrel hunting and not paying attention, but if you ever pull a trigger, you were very responsible for where your bullet stops. Right. But she got hit in the gaskin muscle just above the stifle with a twenty two bullet. Uh. In Dealing with all that, it went right up in the muscle, wasn't anything removed, it would do too much damage to take it out. In dealing with that, there was a lot of scarring and knotting in that muscle itself from obvious damage. So it started losing more range of motion on that side. Well, I never could make sense of what she was doing because she never never looked right. But I was looking at feet, and the feet in the back end did do the same thing, right? Mm -hmm. Well, around that time, I'd met with Tony Gonzalez, who was really looking at the horse's body way before race time. And I got to talk with him. He said, well, what are you doing? I said, well, I'm doing you do the same thing on both sides. I said, yes. He said, well, you're treating the goose like the gander. And I believe that was pretty much Tony's words. Then later on, getting to know Tony, and I went and started learning from him, and I started learning to look at what's going on on top of the horse's body. And around this time, she started knocking off that one shoe. She didn't go in a straight line. And one day, she was walking out to the field after spending some time with Tony, and I still had it stuck in my head I was doing the right thing, right? But she kept peeling off that one shoe. Well, she'd lost the one shoe on the side that was not injured for the gunshot. All of a sudden, after learning to really look at a horse and tell how their body is tracking, it's like, oh, she's carrying herself in a straight line now. So I had to go back and rethink what I was doing and ended up doing some stuff with the shoe to get some mechanics in it. I would have done different now because my skills are much better and ended up losing the three-degree pad because I thought I had to have a three-degree pad on both sides. But the side that was more damaged needed that for the flexion. But we could at least get her tracking in a straight line. And when she was not tracking a straight line, she was stumbling over top of herself. And it was getting worse as time went, but did not recognize what was going on because I was just starting to learn to look at the horse's body. That's something that work with horse owners on and at the hoof care summit, that was the some of the whole discussion. I never talked about feet. It was talking about looking at the horse's body and obtaining information from the horse's body. That is telling us so much. And early on, that's part of my learning curve and part of why I had to get into this sort of thing and carry it to the extremes that we have. Stick around. When we come back, we got one more little segment. You're listening to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein. I'll be right back.
Welcome back to Equine Dynamics with Mike Stein, the best podcast to create saddle horses from the ground up. Don't forget, Mike Stein is a registered journeyman farrier with an APF1 accreditation. And make sure you follow him on Facebook, YouTube. If you have any questions for him, you email him over at Equine Dynamics with the subject line podcast. And you are going to put up a video from Ray Morris. It's going to be like a four-part series, and this will be up on your YouTube channel. Ray, Ray was a massage therapist, one of my best friends ever, and mentors, and we challenged each other. And that's why I tell people Ray probably taught me more about shoeing a horse than anybody that I've ever worked with, even though Ray had never shot one himself. And we'll put that up on the YouTube channel here shortly. So make sure you go over there, subscribe, like, share, and do all that stuff. All right, so what did we learn today, Mike? Could your horse have metabolic syndrome? Pay attention to it and think about it. And don't be bashful about getting a horse tested. It's too dangerous. And I and I assume if you have a horse, you can afford to get tested. I don't want to say it's like an expensive thing or anything. Well, you would hope. Yeah, tell me about it. All right, and what's happening with a horse with a long toe or low heel in the front? Well, we talked some about the mechanics on what that does to the horse's body. And also talked a little bit about what you're doing to the horse's body can drive a horse into that kind of situation. And Dusty's part three story, problems with the hind quarter with the gun shot wound in the butt well pay attention to where you're shooting a gun if you're shooting a gun lesson number one first bullets Bullets are always to be stopped and you're responsible for it but that being said learning to look at a horse learning to learn look how the body tracks learning to look how they carry their hips and pelvis and that's giving us information on how we should treat a horse on the ground all right, guys, we're going to let you get back to enjoying your day. Make sure you like us, share us, and do all this stuff. Find us on Facebook, email Mike at equinedynamics.com, and uh, YouTube as well. On behalf of Mike Stein. Have a good one, Travis. Have a good one, everybody. Thank you. And you can also go to my Facebook page, and I get questions about horses on Facebook Messenger from time to time. People make contact with me that way. Awesome. My name's Travis Holmes saying see you next week. Thank you. All of the doggies are in the corral.